The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. On this solstice evening, we're going to spend some time acknowledging, honoring, celebrating, if you will, the solstice. And you might wonder why. Why would we do this? My reasoning is when the Buddha was alive, he and his followers lived very close to the land. They walked where they went. They slept outside in the forest a good bit of the time, not during the rains, but the rest of the time. They must have been very aware, very in tune with the natural world with the changing of the seasons, with the waning of the light and uh, the darkness and the return of the light. And unfortunately, now, we are not so close to the natural world. Um, Progress (laughs) has meant that we can some of us go from our homes to our cars to our office or wherever we go and barely experience the weather. Barely experience the natural world. Many young people now spend very little time outside. They're in the house on computers or phones or whatever And now we're having to develop programs (laughs) for kids to experience nature, to go out in nature and learn about plants and animals, etc. It's very different. And unfortunately, being less connected to the natural world allows us to not treat our home, the world, very well. Not treat it, all of its inhabitants with the respect that they deserve. And we hear all the time about uh, how we have uh, overfished, over <laughs> hunted, uh, we have destroyed species. We are slowly, maybe not so slowly, destroying our earth. And in order to save our earth and therefore ourselves, we need to be more aware of what we're doing and the impact that our lives have. And so for me, it feels very important that we reconnect with the natural world, that we become much more aware of the changes, the changes in the seasons, the changes in the weather, the changes in... Um, animal life and plant life and 
realize that we are part of the natural world. We often think of ourselves as separate. There's us, and then there's nature. And that's not true. We're part of nature. We're all interdependent, interconnected. We depend on each other. We depend on the earth and all of its inhabitants for our very survival. And so it feels important to me that we use the solstice, the solstices, the equinoxes, to remember our connection to Mother Earth, to remember our connection to all of life. So often we, we divide things up as good and bad. And we often think the darkness is bad and the light is good. The truth is <laughs> they're both necessary. Like the yin and the yang, they are connected. They're not separate. And actually, one without the other is meaningless. They only have meaning in relation to each other. If there were no light, then darkness would, would not have meaning and vice versa. So if nothing else tonight, I hope that you realize that the dark is just as important as the light. It's just different. And as the Tao Te Ching suggests, everything comes out of the dark. Everything returns to the dark. We speak of the dark as the mystery. Mystery because things are not so easily seen in the dark, both, both physical things and psychological things. So I'd like for us to take a few minutes now and sit quietly again, contemplating the dark. What I mean by that is just allowing whatever arises to arise. As you think of the dark, what are the associations you have? What images might arise? What thoughts, concerns, whatever might arise as you contemplate the dark? Now, it's, you know, not totally dark, of course, but comparatively so. And then we'll take a few minutes to share. So um, close your eyes if you wish or leave them open. Uh, But take a few minutes now to be with the dark.
So, <clears throat> who would like to share something about what came up for you? Mm-hmm. I've noticed that I equate dark with stillness, that I've had trouble sleeping lately, so that it'll be dark. And I'll have a lot of energy, but I'm still, because it's sort of, that's what you do in the dark, is that you're quieter and you're more restful in the dark, and it almost seems taboo to to whip myself into a work frenzy or something in the dark, that, that there's a... a quiet thing that that goes along with the dark for me. A blanketing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Who else? Anybody have a different experience of the dark? Maybe feel energized or... <laughs> uh-huh. So what kept coming up for me is uh, I used to work at Lick Observatory. I'm on Mount Hamilton, and I just love to go out at nighttime. I'd always be late delivering the midnight lunches because I was doing my volunteer work when I was supposed to be working. And it was just so fun. It, it It just, I felt so at home, kind of scooting around from one of the you know, observatory domes to the other. It, you know, I just felt like a rascal. In in the dark. <laughs> in the dark. Uh-huh. Yeah. But with lots of stars? Yeah, yeah. And, th- and there were lights on the different domes, but it just felt, it was just like a game. Like a big, it's just comfy. Yeah, yeah. You want to Along those same lines, um, the first thing that came into my mind when I was thinking about the dark was those IMAX movies where you're looking at the cosmos and it feels like you're being propelled through space. Um, And that was a really comforting feeling. Um, Yeah, sure. Um, And then, and also just coming home and um, where I live, you can actually see a lot of the stars and thinking, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't used to be that way. And so now being in a place where I can see the stars um, at night from just right in front of my house is really nice. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of times, you know, the longer I sit, the more fear comes up too around dark and equating that with death or absence or grasping for holding on to what is right now and not wanting to be okay with um, the darkness, what I equate darkness with, but it's helpful to shift back to the positive parts of it, too. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else?
Uh, one thing this made me think of, um, over the last couple of months, I've been not turning the lights on when I get home. And at first, it's pitch black. I don't know where anything is. I run into everything. And um, over time now, I go in and I just do everything. And it, I don't, I no longer realize it's dark. I just do it. No. I wow. thought of that. Wow. What led you to start doing that? Uh, I live in an RV, and if I turn the lights on all, every night, I'd run out of battery, so uh-huh. I save the battery for when uh-huh. I really need it. Ah. Good for you. Like a blind person yeah. who learns their way around. and mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's no longer, like, it's, it's comforting now. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. When we can't see uh, the other senses... Uh, compensate and become more alive. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, for me, um, I often associate the dark with the cold. And Although it's interesting, during the summer, when it's warm and dark, I love to be out. I love to go out and walk on warm summer nights. But in the winter, when it's cold, (laughs) I don't want to go out. (laughs) But I have come to appreciate... Um, the dark as one of you said the dark is often associated with death and can have a very negative connotation but on the other hand the dark is rich and fertile (laughs) and actually teeming with life Um, Somebody uh, the other night said she remembered when she was a child, her father would take her and her siblings out at night to see all the night animals. I was so surprised. (laughs) What a nice thing to do, to take your children out and show them the animals. Um, There are fish that live at the bottom of the sea where it's always dark. So often the dark is teeming with life. And yet we we forget that or we don't know that. These poinsettias need the dark to blossom, to flower. As do the amaryllis and and the Christmas cactus yeah anything else we did this in San Jose last night and it was interesting because some people find the dark very comforting and 
warm and cozy and they like being in the dark. They like this time of year and also feel a little bit like you were saying, Maureen, that that it's a time to slow down. That even at this time of year when things can be so hectic, they feel less pressure with more darkness, less pressure to produce, to be productive, and sort of allow themselves to relax a little bit. And of course, other people feel the opposite. The dark can be scary. It can be um, mysterious in a scary kind of way. So it's interesting, just depending on perhaps our experience, our personality, um, what the dark might mean to us. There's a, a quote by Carl Jung that says, if you show a person his shadow, you show him his light. So there's a psychological darkness as well. The shadow is considered what is not seen, what is not recognized. And often we think that that's negative. You know, it's something um, that we don't want to see, something that is, is negative, not good. But when we bring that shadow to light, There can be power in that because what's in the dark can run us, can control us. It's out of our awareness and so it has a good deal of power. When we bring it to light, when we see it, then we have choice. Sometimes we think of challenges or difficulties as dark, as negative. But often those difficulties and challenges bring out an inner strength and can become can become very valuable to us, can lead us out of the difficulty. So now I'd like for us to take just a few minutes again and contemplate the light. We have some light. Maybe, um, Lewis, would you turn up the light? Thank you. So we're actually sitting in the light. It is, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? We're, we're normally in the light, but when we've had it low, and then we turn it on, it's very stark, isn't it? It's very strong. So let's just take a few minutes to be with the light.
and notice, as with the dark, what arises for you, what comes to your mind with the light.
so again who would like to share about the light. We're recording, so we need to use. <laughs> oh, oh. Can we mute it for a second? We're up. Um, what occurred to me was that I just—I thought that it would be interesting during this short period to sit with my eyes open, more like the Zen tradition. And it's striking the difference between closing the eyes and meditating in the dark, mm-hmm. as it were, mm-hmm. and having one's eyes open, not fixed on anything, but just the the presence of the mind shifts i think considerably mm-hmm. at least for me it does mm-hmm. so that was what i was thinking uh-huh. interesting what else mm-hmm. <laughs> so um the light thing for me was a little more fluxy than the the dark thing in that in the light I can feel energized and more purposeful and my focus is more pointed and pure. But at the same time, I tend to have this hurried feeling a lot of time that I associate with the light. That whatever this hurry ghost is that 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 I've got swirling around me during the light isn't swirling around me in dark. In dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um okay. Um I have to say probably the hurried sensory feeling of light uh puts me at une- unease. I'm not comfortable with it at all. And I suppose in my prior practice or situation or experiences of the past you know over the years I've grown to see the dark or that void or presence that concentration is being my guide for the practice and I can't separate that out now very easily I think in earlier years there wouldn't have been this distinction uh, for me personally, but um, then that's my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, for me, um, light I really associate with warmth, um, and that was what kept coming to me was I'm always cold, and so I'm always <laughs> looking for the sun. Um, uh-huh. If there's a sunny spot, I want to be there. Um, and it actually took me back last weekend. Um, we went to the beach, um, and I was just I remember feeling just so grateful and kind of amazed that it was mid-December, and it was warm enough to be walking on the beach and sort of basking in sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was where, luckily, I got to just go in the last few minutes. So I think in my mind, 
hard to think about the light without also thinking about the darkness because like this came up for me there really there's not really the 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 difference the darkness is just the lack of the light because you you have if you have darkness the light can enter the darkness but the darkness is the removal of the light like the darkness can't enter the light so that was just what I was thinking of <laughs> thank you anything else would you like us to mute so you can share And the light is active and bright. And we live in the light most of the time. Our world is lit up (laughs) a good bit of the time. There's very little actual darkness. A couple people said... You know, my house is never dark. (laughs) My house, the house is dark, but the outside light, the street lights, come in. So in a way, that way, it's not ever dark. I'll share with you a couple of readings. This is from Mark Coleman who is a Vipassana teacher. As we begin these first days after the winter solstice, I wanted to send you greetings to welcome this time of year that is both an invitation to immerse into these long, cold, dark nights, to dive deep into our inner being, to welcome the lost and forgotten parts of ourselves, and to explore that which is hidden and unexplored. At the same time, remembering that the dawn after the solstice heralds the return of the light and all that is possible, all that can be renewed, healed, and reborn. The light and the dark are but seasons within us and are never separate. And so, may the darkness envelop you like a warm embrace, and the growing light permeate your entire being, so you radiate and shine, no part left out. This from the poet May Sarton. Help us to be the always hopeful gardeners of the spirit who know that without darkness nothing comes to birth as without light 
nothing flowers. So as we enter this time of the returning light, can we acknowledge and hold the darkness as well? Can we perhaps see the dark within the light, the light within the dark and embrace them both. Be at home with both. They both are. (laughs) They are within us. They are without us. One last reading. This is from a book of readings on the Tao Te Ching. And this is, was the reading for today. A homeless man dies in the gutter. A tree cracks in the cold. A shocking sound. At the winter solstice, the day is shortest of all, and night is longest. It can also be the time of bitter cold. The wind blows with a frigid ferocity, cutting all before it, as I experienced the last couple of days. Snow and ice become deadly. Those who are homeless die of exposure. Even the mightiest of trees can split from the drop in temperature. The sound of a tree snapping is a sudden clap. The horrors, the tragedies that this nadir brings. Winter tortures the world with icy whips. And those who are weak are ground beneath its glacial heels. Sometimes we dare not even lament those who die in the onslaught of winter, in fear that the tears will freeze upon our faces. But we see and hear. Huddling closer to the fire, we vow to survive. No matter how affected we are by misfortune, we must remember that this is the lowest turn of the wheel. Things cannot forever go downward. There are limits to everything, even the cold and the darkness and the wind and the dying. They call this the first day of winter, But actually, it is the beginning of winter's death. From this day on, 
we can look forward to warming and brightening. So in a way, that sounds a bit harsh. It's relevant for me. Earlier today in San Jose, I was at an interfaith memorial service for 136 homeless people who have died uh, on the streets in 2017. Yeah, my heart feels heavy tonight with the remembrance. All 136 names were read. And, um, you know, it was pretty cold. We were outside in front of City Hall. It was, it was very lovely. Um, there were Buddhist groups and, and um, Christian, of course, and Jewish, and, and uh, Islam was... Um, and Jane was a very, uh, very interfaith group. Um, but the sadness that 136 people in one year in San Jose. Yeah. Um, and I sat there thinking, and these are the known ones. There was one John Doe. But... Uh, um, but these are the known people. How many other people perhaps may have died? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So... Yeah, it leaves me with that feeling. Um, how can we do this? How can we allow this? And what can we do? What can each of us do? What can we as a community do? There is a Buddhist community, the Suchi Foundation, that uh, is very active and uh, does a lot, has done a lot in San Jose and other areas. They're always there when there's a tragedy and uh, willing to help. When we had the flooding in San Jose last year, they were out twice a day for three days before, before the flood, checking on people under the bridges um, in the homeless encampments. Um, it's wonderful that, that they are there and they are working so tirelessly. Suchi, T-Z-U-C-H-I, I believe, Suchi. Uh-huh. There's no simple answer, of course. And each of us does what we can do. Every little bit helps. And as somebody once said to me, it's never enough. 
and and that that may sound cruel, but you know that was very um, reassuring to me that it is never enough. Somehow I relaxed and I do what I can do. And that's all I can do. And I understand that it's never enough. But if we all did what we each could do, it might eventually be enough. So, yes, Mary. So, here in Redwood City, we have a, a place called Docktown Houseboat Floating Home Community. And there is room for about 50 studio apartments in these two-story floating homes that are empty now. There's 11 of them. And the city is going to crush them. And that just seems to me like insane. So there's one minister from First Church, and he's interested in going in a tour on February, on January 2nd. Burgett came to Docktown, and we, did, we used to do creek cleanups. And, and just, this is the first time I've said anything. To, but it just seems crazy. And, um, and I... Um, there's a woman, Dolores Huerta, who is the co-founder of the Farm Workers Union. She, she helped us before, and she said, Mary, I still want to help. And she could help. We could, if anybody's interested, we could talk about this, because this is insane. I wonder what the, I just hate to think what the number of homeless people, that we don't, Sandy Perry is this wonderful guy in San Jose who has been fighting for the homeless for decades. Redwood cities, we're missing out. Yeah, it's a it's a challenging issue, and there's no simple answer. There's no one answer, uh, and there are many answers, many things that we all can do. Anybody have a last comment? Go ahead. Okay. Well, thank you all. Happy solstice. Happy holidays. And be well.